Okay, we're back to podcast, and I hope everyone's had a good day, very good day so far, and we're thankful for the blessings of the Lord and how good He's been to us. Um, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews 4, we're going pretty good through Hebrews, and we're going to jump to James after we're finished with this book, so I know folks have, have been enjoying the uh, the Hebrew study so far, I've gotten comments on it, and um, I appreciate always appreciate that positive comments and affirmations, and <clears throat> excuse me, and um, lets me know you're listening and paying attention, and so I'm grateful and thankful for that. We're going to um, Hebrews four, and again we have discussed. So far, the uh, the fact that the Hebrew writer is is letting the Hebrew people know how much better Christianity is than than Judaism, and not just Christianity, but it's it's Christ, and so the entire book is about Christ and how He's better and complete, and. If I titled this, we, we've just been going Hebrews 3, Hebrews 4. But if I were to title this, it would be uh, the rest for the people of God. Rest for God's people. And that's what he's addressing as he goes into this chapter. And again, we've been through three chapters so far. And in all of them, he is speaking of the superiority of Christ and um, and his atonement, his sacrifice, his covenant, than the the Judaism. Now, Judaism um, and the law is a very wearisome uh, issue. It's a very wearisome uh, set of beliefs, a very wearisome uh, set of religion, and and so understanding that. We must understand it, understand that going into chapter four, because chapter four starts with a a verse. Let us therefore, verse one, let us therefore fear lest a promise uh, being left us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So this chapter is speaking about a rest for the people of God now. I, w- I want to address that real quickly because you'll see. In fact, let's read through verse three, and then we will uh, we'll make some comments on that. So let us therefore fear. Now that means to be wary. That means to look out for, to be on the watch, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. So we we see him entering into his rest. That's that's what I want to focus on. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, how about that? Look at that verse. So, all heard it, okay? And and he doesn't really identify with who them is. um, But he's saying us in relation to those that are are saved by grace through faith. But then he says them. And what is different between us and them? 
And the, the reality is, is just uh, the, we both heard the word and you'll see that you'll see two people, two people in a home, two people in a, on a church, in a church pew, sitting side by side, two on a job, what have you. Uh, one knows Christ, one doesn't. Both have heard the word. So what? What is the difference? And and the writer here is addressing the difference. He is saying uh, that verse number two. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the difference is faith. For those that that enter into this rest with Christ, enter into this relationship with Christ, what they heard was mixed with faith. For those that that did not enter into this, they had no faith mixed in with what they were hearing. So that's that's what you see here in verse 2. Now verse 3 is where we're trying to get to. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I've, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Okay, like four times so far in the first three verses, we have seen a mention of the word rest. So that would lend my attention. If I were studying the Bible and looking for key words and key themes in this chapter, in this book, then one could rightfully focus in on the word rest. Why? Because it's continually mentioned like three times in three verses. And so let's let's look at that. And there there's two references that this this goes back to. One is Genesis two two, where the Bible says, "And God rested." The other is in Psalm ninety five one. They shall not enter into my rest. Now, when you find that the Bible says that God rested or entering into my rest, it does not mean that God was tired after creating the heaven and the earth. It means that the work in which he was he was involved with was completed. Okay, so his job is finished, his task is, is complete, and therefore he can now rest from his his task that he was he was performing. He can rest from the job in which he had been engaged in. Now that's beautiful for you and I. So the because the Bible is encouraging us, admonishing us, teaching us to enter into his rest. So what does that mean? That means that the work is accomplished for us. We don't work for our salvation. We don't work for our relationship with God. We don't work to have a, a, a part of this. It's completed. The work was finished on Calvary. The work was finished when Jesus died on the cross was buried and resurrected on the third day. Now, to you and I, that's that's encouraging. To you and I, that's important. To you and I, we can appreciate that. But to a, a person that is is spending his entire life in Judaism, for a person that has spent his entire life uh, resting in a in a high priest prayer, resting in a or hoping in in the blood and the bulls and goats that were slain, for that person to enter into the rest 
which is the death and the burial, resurrection, the gospel of Jesus Christ, then that would mean even more. It's wonderful for you and I, but for that person, it's great. But for you and I, it means we don't work for our salvation. We don't work for uh, our relationship with God. We don't work for uh, having Christ in our lives and, and us in Him. So that that's what it means concerning this rest for the people of God. So we can rest in that. We can rest in our relationship. I wouldn't want to be involved with any type of belief system or religion that taught that I had to do something to accomplish this. Now, that think of that's so hard for people to grasp. When a person begins to get religious minded or they begin to think on it, they always immediately think, "What must I do?" The Muslim thinks, what must I do? The, the Jew thinks, what must I do? But then we see Christians, what must I do? And the fact is, we don't do anything. He he did the work. He accomplished the work. We rest in that by faith. You see, the key was verse 2, where the Bible says the difference was two people heard the same message, but it did not profit those that it was not mixed with their faith. So essentially, we we have faith. We have a, a faith and a promise. And that faith is also granted to us by God. This life that I now live, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Excuse me, Oakley's barking at the, the mailman. So there's... There, there remaineth the rest for the people of God. Excuse me. There's that's one of the uh, one of the issues in recording at home. So go go to verse four. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. So again, he's referring to verse number four in the creation. So God did not get tired when he created the the earth and created all things. In fact we find that he spoke it into existence. So it's not as if he was tired. He did so because he, he, he was completed here. And the Bible said, verse 4, And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. You see that word continually. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. So you enter into this rest through faith and belief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now I'm going to read to, to the next verse. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. So we've come through the first eight verses here. And the synopsis is this. He is drawing, not a parallel, he is drawing an antithesis with one another. He is saying, look, we don't have to work. The Jew works, the Muslim works, the Hebrew works. Uh, false religion works, false doctrine works. We don't work. We simply have faith 
in the spoken, preached, presented, written Word of God that has been given to you and I, and in intertwined with that faith and the promise that He gives us, we enter into a rest with Him in our salvation. So that's the, that's the very theme and the in the basis of verse verses one through eight. Verse number nine. Therefore. Therefore, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. So that's beautiful. So he he wraps all of that up with telling us that there is a rest for us. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. So now he's drawn the parallel with God and creation and you and I. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, this is one of my favorite verses in all the scripture. For the word of God is quick and powerful. Now, the term quick here does not mean at a rate of speed like we would think of being quick. This term quick means alive. You remember in Ephesians, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and in sins. So we can attest to this. Those of us that love the Word of God, love the Bible, love learning it, love teaching it, love reading it. It's our passion. It's it's something we enjoy. It's it's how we know our relationship with Jesus. We know that the Word of God is alive. And so the Bible says, for the Word of God is quick, or as we would phrase it, alive, and powerful, we would agree with that, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Have you ever heard a message, heard a sermon, heard a lesson? I know you have, and it seemed like the the speaker, whether it was me or someone else, had, knew what you were thinking, knew where your mind had been, knew what your thoughts had been that week, that morning, that day. It was like they almost just sat down and was in your living room that, that week. What is that? That is the Bible. That is the Word of God. It wasn't that as if you the preacher had been spying or the preacher knew. What it was, ladies and gentlemen, was the fact that the Word of God, look, look at what it says. The Word of God goes to the joints, the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So no one knows the intent of a person's heart. No one knows their motivation. The intent would mean motivation. So that's where we would get that. And we don't know people's motivations. We can assume folks' motivations. We can assume people do things or why people do things that they do, but you don't know. But the Word of God has a way, has a beautiful way of revealing it to you. Okay, That's what brings forth conviction. That's what brings forth repentance. That's what brings forth a change. That's what brings forth a new life. That's what brings forth our proper relationship with Christ is the Word of God. So verse 12 gives us the, the verse and the example and the statement of how important the Scriptures are and should be in our lives from salvation forward. Because, look, let's just look at it again. For the Word of God, now notice how it's written, lowercase, Word of God, 
is quick, that means alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul. So it, it pierces, and asunder would, would bring, a, the, just cut right down the middle of our soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow. The joints and marrow go to the inward man, to the bone. And it is a discerner of the thoughts, goes to our minds, and intents of our heart. That's that's how powerful it is. That's how wonderful it is. That's how the ability that the scriptures possess, ladies and gentlemen, is that's what the Bible can do. And that that's what I'm trying that's why our that's why we do what we do. That's why we put a preeminence on the scriptures. That's why we do podcasts. That's why we do Bible study. That's why every message that we have in the church is chock full of verses, full of Bible. Turn here, turn there, look at this. Let's talk about this because the ability is not in in some gift that I have or don't have. It's not in the ability of man or any other preacher or teacher. The, the, the power and the key and the reality is that it is in the Word of God itself. So any teacher or preacher of the Scriptures understands, a, a true one, understands that their power and the way to properly communicate the truths is right from the pages of Scripture. So that's why we do it as we do it. So verse 13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. So the Bible's simply saying that God deals with all realities. It doesn't matter who it is, where they are, their makeup, their thought process, the Word of God, and you learn that. I I've used to joke all the time about a, a verse for everything, but you know what? There is a verse for everything and a verse for everyone and a verse for every life situation, and that's that's the beauty and why I love the Scriptures so much. There's never been anything in my life that I've approached and I've come across that the Scriptures did not help and assist and get me through. Verse 14 seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now this transitions, and this will lead us into chapter 5, which we'll cover Wednesday night. So now, now here, here we've come. We started out with the rest that believers enter into, that we don't have a, uh, we, we don't work for our salvation, we don't work for our relationship, we don't work for our reconciliation. We enter into rest because the job is complete. That's how we started this. Then we jump to the verse and the power and the ability of the Word of God. So we enter into that through an understanding of faith and belief in the Word of God. Now we close with this. It's a close of this chapter, but it's also an introduction to the next chapter. And the next chapter, said, or the, the last three verses leading us into the next chapter, transitions to the great high priest and the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Now, that's getting into something that we will talk about and go in depth more the next time. But again, you got to remember, under the Jewish law, there was there was high priest and there was a great high priest and by the way that the Catholics have tried to emulate that now you remember what Revelation teaches concerning a, a, 
a cult and a false doctrine. It says those who say they are Jews and are not. So any kind of religion that is set up and established with a priesthood is trying to emulate Judaism. And the Bible says that that's false teaching and false doctrine. We're not Jews and we're not Catholics. We, we enter into this rest solely in Jesus Christ and him alone and his word. That's why his word is so important to us. Now, at transitions, notice there's there's chapter breaks, basically, in chapter number four. It goes one, one through eight, dealing with rest. Nine through 13, dealing with the word of God. Now, we go to 14 through 16, and it addresses our great high priest. Who is that? Now, Revelation will teach us that we are kings and priests. Well, a priest needs a great high priest. So again, we don't have to have a priest. We are priests. We don't have to have a high priest. We've got one in Jesus Christ. You see how beautiful the scriptures lays it all out and teaches it for us? Verse 14, seeing then, so based on what? Seeing then, okay? So that's referring back to everything we've read. What have we read? We've read his preeminence. We've read how much better he is. We have read that there is a rest for the people of God. And we have read the preeminence of the word of God. So now we come to verse 14, seeing then. So that transitions us. That refers back. And because of what we read, that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. So Jesus, who is passed into the head. So that lets you know any religion that teaches teaches about a, a labeled priest or the office of a priest, it's false, it's wrong. Because again, Revelation says we are kings and priests. That gives us authority and that gives us access. The authority is based on the fact that we're a king. We can go to God. The access, or, or we have authority to, to talk to God. The access is our priesthood, meaning we can go to him. We go to him through our great high priest. Because you see in the Old Testament, the, the, uh, the believer, the Old Testament saints, they would approach the temple, they would go into the outer courts, and they would bring their sacrifices. They bring their lamb that they had taken care of all year and the turtle doves and all the sacrifices that they had. They would present them to a priest. Then the priest would take them and on some levels the priest would slay the sacrifice himself. Uh, other times he would take it to the great high priest if it was the lamb. But essentially something always died for that believer as he brought his sacrifice. That's That was their economy. That was their religion. That was the way they reconciled to God. And God is telling us, you no longer have to do that. We don't have to make annual or semi-annual or monthly trips to a temple or to a tabernacle. The Bible says we are the temple. We, the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we have that already. And we've got access that resides within us as a priest to our great high priest. So there you go. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, 
Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have a not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So that means, watch this, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So that's the beauty of it. The priest, him, the great high priest, always needed atonement himself. The priest needed atonement himself. But our great high priest does not need atonement because he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. We need atonement no more because our faith is in that great high priest. So that is what the Hebrew writer is trying to drive home to these believers. He's saying you can cease from your work, you can cease from your rest, you can cease from your animal sacrifice, you can cease from trying to work harder and do better and rest in your salvation that God has freely given you. And verse 16, let us therefore come boldly. So now you've got the authority, you've got the access and the ability unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That speaks of our prayer lives. We can go to him based on our position as priests and his position as a high priest to go to him and have access and authority with him. And so your prayer life shouldn't be weak. The prayer life shouldn't be as you as a beggar. Your prayer life grants you, based on your position as a priest and his position as a high priest, based on those two realities, our prayer lives, ladies and gentlemen, we go with boldness and we go with authority and we go with confidence and we go with assurance that he's going to hear us. And that's what the Hebrew writer is trying to drive home. Now, the next lesson we're going to crank up in verse 14 of chapter 4. So we're done with chapter 4, but the way this is written is we transition from these last three verses into chapter 5, which is of the utmost importance. And so the next time we're going to do chapter 5, but we must start in chapter number 4. And I can't wait. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, it's our high, our high priest chapter, the Melchizedek chapter. And we're going to study that. We're going to get into that on Wednesday night. I hope you've enjoyed these um, these chapters as much as, um, as, much as I have. Um, I've enjoyed... Uh, the Word of God. I've enjoyed Hebrews so much, and based on that, we're we're going to just continue to move forward with the Book of Hebrews and uh, Chapter Five next time with the closeout of Chapter Four. I hope you have a great evening and a great early part of your week, and we will uh, get into Chapter Five the next time. Good night. God bless. I love each of you. And I will, I will, you'll be hearing from me. It is podcast on Wednesday. No in-person Bible study. Probably take a couple of weeks off there. Try to pick back up maybe that second or third week in November and um, before Thanksgiving. And, and then maybe go once a month, once every three weeks until after the holidays. And then at that point, we'll, we'll pick back up again uh, pretty regularly. All right. Have a great night. I love each of you. Good night.